Hello, welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan here in Victoria, BC. In this program, we all discover jazz old and new together. We'll listen to a wide variety of jazz styles and I'll present different topics, giving ideas as to what we can listen for to enhance our experience. Thanks to Peterborough Independent Podcasters for hosting this podcast. For the next 60 minutes, Discovering Jazz. I recently bought 10 used jazz LPs. The last six were from Vinyl Envy in Victoria, part of a stack of three LPs for $10. This first one is one of them. It's Pat Martino's 1976 LP, Joyous Lake, where he was entering into the jazz fusion scene, maybe a year or two late. That could be why the album wasn't overly heralded at the time, but it stands up well with time. Some great playing here. Very powerful drumming by Kenward Denard and skilled and creative guitar and synthesizer work from Pat Martino. It was four years later that Pat Martino suffered what could have been a fatal brain aneurysm, but he recovered after operations where much of his left temporal, temporal lobe was removed. And at first, he had absolutely no memory of how to play the guitar, so he had to teach himself all over again. A 2014 report in World Neurosurgery reads, To our knowledge, this case study represents the first clinical observation of a patient who exhibited complete recovery from a profound amnesia and regained his previous virtuoso status. Unquote. And Pat Martino, at the age of 75, is still performing all over the world today and giving musical and motivational workshops. This is from before he had his brain aneurysm. The track is called Line Game, track one from the 1976 Joyous Lake album.
Line Games. Pat Martino on guitar and synthesizers. Also are Delmore Brown on Fender Rhodes, Mark Leonard on electric bass, and Kenward Dennard on drums. Next, at a thrift store, I found this album of pianist Steve Kuhn and the Sheila Jordan Band. Kuhn wrote the music and lyrics, and Sheila Jordan sings them. It's from 1980 and on ECM Records with Harvey Swartz on bass and Bob Moses drums. Here is The Zoo. Send $20 to me so that I can be free to see how birds eat their food in the trees. Ham, how I love to eat ham, but you start give a damn. to me so that I can be free to see how birds eat their food in the tree. Oh 
let's have another vocal. Going back a few years, trombonist Jack Teagarden was sometimes said to be the greatest white blues singer of all time. He had the most mellow and relaxed style with impeccable phrasing. Yet, he was best known as a trombonist, and most jazz trombonists today have been directly or indirectly influenced by Teagarden. I discovered him early in life. I was 15 and would listen to the Top 93 and my favorite Edmonton radio station, CJCA. Unlike what a pop station would do today, the day after Teagarden died, CJCA dedicated a whole hour to his music, even though they weren't a jazz station. I listened to it and fell in love. Here's a tune that he's recorded many times, but I think this later version from an album I bought at Vinyl Envy in Victoria a few days ago is especially good. Here is his 1961 recording of 100 Years from Today on Roulette Records. Now, there are no notes saying who is playing with him, but I assume that it includes Don Goldie on trumpet and stride pianist Don Ewell, as uh, they backed him on most of the roulette record sessions. Jack T. Garden with 100 Years From Today. Life is such a great adventure Learn to live it as you go No one in the world can censure What we do here below Don't save your kisses Just pass them around Find my reason is logically sound. Who's gonna know that you pass them around a hundred years from today? From today, why crave a penthouse that's fit for a queen?
gone through three of the used LPs that I bought recently. Let's go to number four. Another thrift store find. I had heard Jeremy Stagg before. He was part of a group called Jeremy and the Satyrs, and he did some terrific flute work on one of my all-time favorite Canadian albums, the first record by Beverly Glenn Copeland. But I hadn't really listened to much of his other work, and when I found this album for a dollar, I really had to pick it up. I also learned that he's the son of the famous cartoonist and children's book writer William Stagg. The album is called Flute Fever, and it's from 1964. It also features Denny Zeitlin on piano, Ben Riley on drums, and Ben Tucker bass. Here's a Thelonious Monk tune, one that many a jazz group likes to play at jams, but probably not like this. Well, you needn't. The Jeremy Stagg Quartet. (laughs) ¶¶ 
for something Canadian, another flute player, but very different from that Jeremy Stagg style that you just heard. I don't remember exactly where I found this one. It might have been at a re-store here in Victoria. It's a Mo Kaufman album called Things Are Looking Up, and while his albums always seemed a bit too poppy for my tastes, he was quite amazing as a performer, and you'd see him playing uh, a couple flutes at the same time. This album features the recently departed guitarist Ed Bickert, and in this track, Bickert comes in so nicely with a gentle smoothness that fits this tune just right. Written by Bob McMullen, here is Free Fall. Thank you. 
Hoffman with Ed Bickert on guitar, Don Thompson keyboards, Marty Morell drums, Rick Ome on electric bass, and of course, Kaufman on flute. Tune was called Free Fall. Let's go wild now. This one might feel like it is in a free fall. It's from a 1958 album by Shorty Rogers. I picked it up partly because it was called Afro-Cuban Influence, and I'm intrigued by anything Afro-Cuban. This track, it's fast, written by pianist Bud Powell, using some complex Afro-Cuban polyrhythms. It's called Un Poco Loco, A Little Crazy. Shorty Rogers.
are listening to Discovering Jazz, coming your way thanks to Peter Rue Independent Podcasters. I'm Larry the Radio Guy, and today I'm just playing tracks from 10 new records, used ones, not new vinyl, that I bought recently. You just heard Shorty Rogers from an album that uh, I purchased uh, in Victoria uh, when I bought six albums for $20 at the Vinyl Envy used record store on Quadra Street. Next, going to something much more traditional, but very interesting. Three versions of the same tune, and you're hearing one of them now. The LP is an original RCA Victor release from 1955, with 12 different arrangements of George Shearing's Lullaby of Birdland, all recorded in 1954 or 1955. The version you're hearing features the piano of Barbara Carroll with Joe Shulman on bass and Ralph Pollock drums. In a moment, I'm going to play two of the most unusual versions. The first one is by clarinetist Tony Scott and his septet. I was familiar with uh, Tony Scott from his series of meditation albums that he put out in the early 60s. Music for Zen meditation, music for yoga meditation, and music for voodoo meditation, believe it or not. I'll uh, follow his version of Lullaby of Birdland with uh, a 1955 arrangement by Quincy Jones and his orchestra, the only leader on this album, I believe, who's still around and performing today. Let's hear them, and on that Quincy Jones version, give a listen to the first tenor sax solo, a fellow named Jack Zoot. Who does it sound like to you? But first... We'll go into that Tony Scott version, Love by Burnland.
Quincy Jones and his orchestra from 1955. I told you to listen to that first tenor sax solo. One of the two tenor players is named on the record as Jack Zoot. I couldn't find any saxophonist anywhere in the internet named Jack Zoot. And his tone sounds so much like Zoot Sims. Could it be him? Maybe using a different name for contractual reasons? Let's move on. I played three versions of Lullaby of Birdland written by George Shearing, and I did pick up a George Shearing album at Vinyl Envy. It was with a classical French hornist, Barry Tuckwell, and uh, still having such fond memories of my Discovering Jazz program of a few weeks ago on Jazz French Horn, I had to buy it. It was called George Shearing and Barry Tuckwell Play the Music of Cole Porter. On first listen, I was a little disappointed. Tuckwell isn't a jazz hornist, and to his credit, he doesn't pretend to be. It all seemed to be easy listening to me, and I wanted some wild horn improvisations like we heard from the likes of David Amram, John Clark, and Vincent Chancy. But I listened a few more times, and I can really appreciate the skill of a great classical French hornist like Barry Tuckwell. His tone and pitch is amazing, and he does put some feeling into those tunes, even if he is just playing the melody or arrangements written out by George Shearing. And Shearing's piano work, he keeps it simple, so it's compatible with what Barry Tuckwell is doing, but the solos and backup to the French horn's mellow tone is stellar. From 1986, George Shearing and Barry Tuckwell with Grady Tate on drums and uh, either John Clayton or Don Thompson on bass with Cole Porter's Everything I Love. Oh, and I decided to try recording this one right from my stereo speakers, so it gives a rather different sound. See what you think.
Record nine of the ten records that I bought is by a Montreal fusion group called Uzeb, U-Z-E-B. They were huge in Eastern Canada and Europe from 1976 to 1992, but never really caught on in the U.S. I bought this record because it was in such great shape, and the group was introduced to me by a guitarist friend in Penticton, and I hear the group has reformed as of, as of about three years ago. The album uh, is called Fast Emotion. It's from 1982, and it's uh, built around the guitar of Michael Cousson with Alain Caron on bass, Michael Sear on keyboards, and drummer Paul Brocou. Here is track number two. It's called Number One, Uzeb. Thank you. 
was Ebb from Montreal. Okay, we're down to album number 10 of the 10 records that I bought recently. It's a Peggy Lee album, a compilation album from 1967 called Extra Special. I had it before, but gave it away before one of my moves, then snapped it back when I found it for cheap at a thrift store. The last tune on the album was first written by Duke Ellington as part of his soundtrack to the 1959 film Anatomy of a Murder. After the film, he asked Peggy Lee to write some lyrics to the main theme, and did she ever come through? A great tune, great words. Here is I'm Gonna Go Fishing. Woke up this morning Fishing or jump in the lake. Yes, I'm gonna go fishing. That's what I'll do. Think about nothing. Not even you. Catch a real big one, a big speckled trout. Snapping in the water, I'll pull him on out. Sweet talking liar. Spin me a yarn. Tell me a story. Out. I'm gonna go fishing and catch me a trout If a man is a liar A man is a fool Playing for keepers And breaking the rule He'll be the loser, yes, you'll find out I'm gonna go fishing and catch me a trout played a track from all 10 of the albums and there's some time left over so I've got another one from the album that I think is my favorite of the bunch that wonderful Jeremy Stagg and Denny Zeitlin flute fever album from 1964 now it's a 10 minute reinterpretation of a Miles Davis tune that I've played a few times so what now I love what Stagg and his group do to this starting with Denny Zeitlin's piano that you're hearing right now and listen to Jeremy Stagg's amazing flute solo, where he hums what he's playing at the same time he plays it. This is Larry Sademan saying bye for now, reminding you to tune in next week for Discovering Jazz. Brought to you thanks to Peterborough Independent Podcasters, as well as Apple Podcasts and some of the other podcast sites who have so kindly picked up this podcast. I thank you. Bye for now.
Thank <laughs> you.